So now we talk about what we just sang about, which is a pretty awesome thing. In the, in the video, I don't know if you could read, but it just talks about this idea that, you know, when we study God's word and we talk about these things in the kingdom and the Bible and Jesus, there's some things that are really sweet and awesome and get us excited, and there's other things that are hard to hear and not always the most comfortable and can be really challenging. And so when we come into this place and we sing and we worship and we give and we do all these things, it's really kind of that mix of God's grace and his holiness and this idea that when we dive into his words, um, we want to be willing to hear the good with the bad, the challenging with the uplifting. And so that's our goal this morning. That's my prayer for you as we dive into God's word and ask him to speak to us. I don't want you to hear from me. I really want you to hear from God. Um, I think that's the goal of everyone here at Gaten is that we're not centered on us, but we're centered on him. And that's why we're doing this series called Puzzled, because the truth is, if you're committing yourself to him and you're diving into his word and you're praying and you're seeking after him, or even if you're here this morning and you're just checking out church, you're checking out Christianity, it can be puzzling. Um, not all answers are given just because you believe. Um, there is growth and maturity that happens over time, and this morning we want to live into that. And over the last couple weeks, we started talking about um, just the idea of working out some of the puzzles in life and that God is revealing this beautiful puzzle. Um, and then last week, we talked about how cultivating our soil is so important that we can have good soil that will produce fruit. And sometimes, some places in our life, our soil is a little different. But God calls us to this place. He allows us to live into the soil that he wants us to be. Today, we're going to talk about weeds. How many of you like weeds? How many of you pull weeds regular basis? Um, we were on a, a missions trip and we were using a weed whacker and one of my good buddies um, that was weed whacking with me got into some poison ivy and his whole body was covered in poison ivy because he wore shorts and a t-shirt. Key, don't do that when you weed whack poison ivy. But weeds are horrible. Weeds cause problems and they, you know, I could be the greatest gardener ever if it was about growing weeds because they're just so easy to grow and we see them everywhere. And so we're going to dive into that a little bit. Before we go there, um, what are you puzzled about this morning? What are things that puzzle you? What are things that confuse you or aren't clear or just puzzling in your mind? If you just for a moment think about what puzzles you this morning. I know there's a couple things that puzzle me. One thing that puzzles me is why would anyone ever want to be a Dallas Cowboy fan? Some of you I alienated, some of you you're like, right on. That's kind of a cheap joke, too. But there are things that puzzle me. There's a lot of things. I think the, the adage that the more you know, the more you know you don't know is true, right? You, you learn, you grow, this huge horizon is opened up to you, and you're like, wow, there's a lot more I don't know. But in Christianity and in studying God's word and, and trying to live um, in this life of, of committed obedience to Jesus, I think one of the things that really is a mystery to me, a puzzle to me, is this idea of forever, right? Eternity. That when I come to the end of this life, I'm going to be starting into another life that goes forever, that will never end. That is a huge thing. That is very tough to grasp. That is very difficult to wrap my brain around. It's puzzling, right? Another thing that puzzles me personally is how is God, how is God going to just judge everyone how is God going to justly judge everyone that's a puzzle to me 
I know that I am saved by grace through faith in Christ, that the cross is where I find my salvation, that I trust in Jesus as my Savior, but it is still very difficult for me to understand judgment. It's not an easy concept for me. And so this morning, we're going to dive into some of those questions, those puzzling things that don't totally make sense, but we, our hope and our prayer is that God would start to reveal things, to mature us, to grow us, so that at least we have something that we can can ground ourselves in and trust in and put our faith in. And so before we pray, before we read Matthew this morning, what is God teaching you? Do you hear God? Is he teaching you anything today, this week, this month? Do you feel like, do you sense him? Do you hear him? Do you see him in life? Like, is God a real thing to you? Is, is he moving in your life? Or is he distant and vague and, and, and almost shadowy to you? I think that's a really important thing for us to contemplate right now, to put our minds into. Do we hear from God? Do we sense God in our lives? So before we look at Matthew, I want to proceed it with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit of God to talk to us and teach us. So let's pray. Father, loving, wonderful, amazing Father, Father of the kingdom of heaven that is beyond my ability to understand. You're awesome. You're holy. Your name is holy. You are love. And so, Lord, we come here and we ask that what is happening in heaven, the way heaven works, would happen here in this room, that our hearts and minds and ears and brains would be completely in tune and that we would hear clear communication from you. And Lord, as we, as we listen and as we, as we focus and we turn inward and, and we try to hear from you, Lord, I pray that you would feed us your spiritual words, your spiritual um, nourishment, that we would grow and mature and that in these moments and that in these times, it would, it would fuel us as we walk through our lives, that, that each day, Lord, we would want you to fuel us and give us each day what we need. And Lord, as we talk about this subject of, of judgment and eternity and these tough things, Lord, I pray that we would understand your grace, we would understand your forgiveness, we would understand your mercy and your love. And Lord, as we navigate these, these, these paths, um, there's so many things that can distract us, so many things that can get us um, off focus. I pray that you keep us focused, protect our minds, protect us from the enemy, um, help us to be present with you now. We know you're here. We know you know us more than we know ourselves. Help us to trust you a little bit more today. Give us grace as we read these words. Thank you for creating Matthew. Thank you for allowing him to be an eyewitness so he could record these things for us to read. Thank you for allowing truth um, to maintain and, and to live on past, past the time you were here on earth. Give us grace now as we study your words. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24. Before we go there, um, this idea of puzzles, how many of you like to build puzzles, right? Puzzles are, are fun. Sometimes, usually Christmas, we do puzzles, right? But puzzles can take a long time. Sometimes we start them. Sometimes we can't figure them out. If you lose the lid with the picture, you're like, oh, great. I have no idea what this thing looks like. 
It can be tough, and, and maybe that's the way you view the Bible. Maybe you view it as a tough thing. Maybe you've opened it, you know, randomly, and you started reading, like, what is this? What is, I don't even understand this. Where is this coming from? And so what I want to give you this morning is just maybe a glimpse of an approach to how you can read God's Word and maybe help it make sense a little more. And I'm going to give you just some things I personally do that have been helpful for me, some tools that have helped me understand things that seem puzzling at first. And one of those things that I typically do, and especially when I'm speaking, is I use what's called a commentary. Um, you can go online now. There's millions of commentaries, and if you'd like to learn about good ones, I would, be, I would love to talk to you. Um, this is the Exploring the Gospel of Matthew by John Phillips. It's a good commentary. A lot of the background I'm going to share with you, a lot of the historical things that I learn are from commentaries. The reason I think these are so important is because the commentary gives me an, a scope, or gives us a scope as we read it, to what the original hearer would have heard, right? It gives you some background, it gives you some, some context so you can understand, okay, they would have got it this way, they would have heard it this way, because Jesus was talking directly to them, and yes, today I can learn from that, but it's very helpful for me to know what, what would they have understood in the time that it was said. And so that can be very helpful. Um, I just recently bought this Bible. Actually, it was gifted to me. It's a Bible that has areas for notes. One of the things that I found very encouraging in my own walk, my own life, is that if I have a question, you're like, how could Jonah really be in the belly of a fish? Or, you know, why, how could this stuff be true? Or what about this? What about that? When I have a question, write it down. Put it in the notes. This is hard for me to believe. This is hard for me to understand. This seems a little harsh. And be honest. God is not afraid of our honesty, right? When you read his words, he's not afraid of your questions. He loves your questions because that means you're seeking after him. You're wanting to mature. You're wanting to grow. You're saying, Father, help me understand this. And so I think it's helpful if you have tough questions not to ignore those questions, not to hide those questions. Write the question down and say, God, please help me to understand this. Show me something. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. God will communicate you in amazing ways when you seek after him. He will reveal things to you. And maybe he won't answer your question directly. There are questions I don't think we'll ever have answers into until we meet him. But he will give you assurance and he'll give you peace and he'll give you other nuggets that are amazing and encouraging. So typically I'll use a commentary. I'll take notes. I'll ask myself questions before I go into the passage. I'll try to understand who the author is, the context, the place, what was the purpose of the teaching, what is the purpose of the story. But above all those things, those are all very helpful tools, very helpful tools. The most important thing, I think, for myself, and I would encourage you with, is whenever you read God's word, especially a puzzling parable, something that's not completely clear, is to start and just connect to God. Take that deep breath. God, I know you know me. I know you know my thoughts. I know you know my doubts, my questions, my fears. Help me to understand. Help me to connect not just to these words on this page, but connect to you. Help me to see how this is relevant to my life now. Help me to see things that I'm dealing with today that, that this will impact. Grow me. Grow me as I read. Grow me as I, as I try to understand these things. Preceding with prayer and asking God to help you to understand is a power, is the most powerful tool when it comes to reading the Bible. And so with that, 
We're going to go to Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Quick note, from the commentary, it describes that all of these parables are dealing with the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's Jesus revealing the eternal nature of his ministry and his mission, that he's talking about bigger things than just this world. And so every time you read a parable, Jesus is trying to communicate something about heaven and his who he is and what he came to do. <clears throat> Continuing in verse 25. But while everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. It's interesting in the commentary, it talks about that there was a, there was a type of weed called a darnel. A darnel looked exactly the same as wheat as it grew until it got to the place where it would be harvested. And then you could tell that it was a weed. And not only was it a weed, it was a poisonous weed that if you ate it, you could die or get very sick from. And so this is an important reality that the people that are hearing this, this parable understood the importance of wheat, the danger of this weed, and what Jesus is, is trying to refer to as he teaches them. <clears throat> Continuing on, verse 27. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? Verse 29. No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. As uh, botanists or those who study this have learned that the, the, um, the root systems will come together. And so if you pull one up, you're going to pull the other one up. And so what I've learned is I'm trying to learn from Scripture is it's never a good idea to, to weed whack or do weeding because this little live together, right? No? <laughs> He's saying don't pull them up because if you pull it up, you're going to pull up the weeds with it. Verse 30, let both of them grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvester, first collect the weeds and tie them into a bundle to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. And that's his story. So basically, a crowd comes together. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, now... Another note to understand where these people are coming from. His disciples are waiting for an earthly kingdom, some great nation where he's going to be the king and they're going to be his chief leaders. And they're looking to take out the Romans and they're looking to take out um, the, the uh, hypocritical priests and the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. They're thinking this is a physical life thing, that, that this is going to happen in their lifetime and it's going to be a physical act where Jesus raises up and he takes kingship and, and he shuts down all the enemies and Israel becomes this powerhouse nation over the whole world. And so what they're hearing is this story that may not make any sense. What are you talking about, Jesus? You're saying the kingdom of heaven is like this uh, owner who puts uh, wheat seeds into the ground and then his enemy comes at night and plants weeds and then they grow up and they look the same until they get time for harvest and, and, and your servants come and say, do you want us to pull them up? He says, no, wait till harvest. Then you can divide them out. And one will be, gone, will be taken to be burned, and one will be brought into the barn with me. And the, and the disciples are like, what are you talking about? This is a puzzle. 
This doesn't make any sense to us. This doesn't align with what we see or has any practicality to us whatsoever. And we know this because this is how Jesus then continues the conversation. If you turn to verse 36 of chapter 13. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. What were you talking about? What does that even mean? He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, what? Let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's a, those are some big statements Jesus just made, isn't it? He just explained to his disciples, you guys were looking for an earthly kingdom. This is way bigger than that. I'm talking about forever. I'm talking about what happens when you die. I'm talking about my kingdom that will have no end. And I'm talking about the fact that there is wheat and there are weeds, and one day they will be divided, and I will burn the weeds, and I will harvest the wheat into my barn to be with me. As you read that, as you listened to me read that, what jumped off at you? What are you thinking about at this moment? If you're like me, you're sitting there saying, wow, that is rough, right? That is a tough, Jesus, this is tough. You're, I mean, my heart is you're loving and you're kind and you're gracious. This is like you're going to divide and then you're going to throw into the fire. Man, that is a tough thing for me to get my head around. Right? And we talked about that idea of there's things we really like that Jesus says and does, and there's things he says you're like, what? You're going to throw the weeds into the fire? This is where I would give you my next tool that I use when I study, and I think it's so helpful. It's so beneficial. It is so helpful. And it's called cross-referencing. You use the Bible to help you understand the Bible. You use other texts to help you understand it, so it gives you the full picture of what's going on. And so in this instance, I would sit there and I might write a note, this seems harsh. This is tough to understand. This is really puzzling to me. And I would look for other reference points to help me to understand what is Jesus accomplishing? What is he trying to do? The next reference I would share with you is 2 Peter 2.3. You can look it up if you'd like. It says, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. God is patient with me. God is patient with you. God is patient with us, not wanting any one of us to perish. He doesn't desire to bring the weeds together to throw them into the fire. He desires that we all would come and become wheat, those that are his, 
those that he can bring to be with him eternally. Luke 19.10 says this, Jesus came to seek, seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came to earth to seek after that which was lost. He went after us. He's coming after us. At this moment, he's saying this is available to everyone. There is no, you know, there's no qualifiers. I have come that anyone who desires it may have it. Anyone may be weak. There's no restriction. Repent and believe. Come to me. You will not be rejected. The irony is, is that it is not that God rejects us, but that we reject him. The weed rejects him. That's why it is a weed. But it's still a tough thing to understand. Judgment and eternal, the eternal nature of life is very difficult to understand, if we're honest. But there's another point that I use in the Old Testament that helps me to get grasp a little bit better picture of what's being said here. Micah 6.8 says this, What does the Lord require of you, O man? What does the Lord require of me? To act justly. He is requiring me to look into the world around me and look for justice, and not just to look for it, to act upon it. We have a foster care ministry. We want to act upon it. We want to act justly for those who need help, who need uh, some support, that we desire justice, that for God, he's looking at me and he's saying, what I would want from you, Mike, is that you would act justly, that you would love mercy, not like it, not date it, but love it. Love mercy, that I desire to show mercy, that when something happens to me that is wrong, when someone does something that, that is unjust to me, that I'm willing to forgive and show mercy, even if they don't deserve it, that I love to give mercy. And finally, this relational aspect, that I'm to walk humbly with God, that I can walk with him, that he's, he, is, he is giving us the opportunity. He's inviting every single one of us to walk with him. Now, here's the question when I come back and I look at this, I say, am I more just than God? Am I more just than God? Are you more just than God? Am I more merciful than God? Am I more merciful than God? Are you more merciful than God? God does not desire to bundle the weeds and throw them to the fire. He desires that we all become wheat. Every man, woman, and child. Every person that will ever live. But he will allow us to reject him. He will allow us to say no. And I think it comes around to this. I don't know about you, but for me, it's really easy to be judgmental. It's really easy to see the, the wrongs of everybody else. Sometimes it's really difficult for me to be aware of my own. That's why I wouldn't be a very good judge of every person. If I'm going to trust someone to be the judge to determine all of this, I want to trust God. And here's a verse that helps me with that. 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, man looks on the outward. I have no idea what your intentions are. I have no idea what your heart is. All I know is what you present to me on the outside. You don't know my heart. 
All you know is what I present on the outside. So for me to judge you or you to judge me is nebulous. It's, it doesn't make any sense. That's why it's so foolish for us to be known as judgmental Christians, because it's not our role. He just said, in the harvest time, I will be the one that makes those decisions. But I, I fall into the trap where I'm looking and seeing everyone else and why everyone else is wrong and, and why this person's wrong and that thing's wrong and these are wrong. Instead of, he's saying, don't worry about that. I'll deal with that. Be wheat. Focus on being wheat. How much time and energy do I put in in judging people instead of working on becoming better wheat for God? The amazing thing to me is you and I could read this parable and have a totally different thing that God says to us. Totally. Because he speaks. He speaks in, in different ways, in different places, and, and he encourages and he challenges and but here, as I look at this and, and, I, and I think about what God is saying through Jesus, what he, what he is saying that Matthew recorded for me to understand is that I need to focus on the fact that I should stop worrying about judging the world and start being wheat and living every day knowing that I have an eternal future with my Father ahead of me. Think about this for one second. Think about this. Do you think your view of the next life impacts this life. Do you think that your view of the next life impacts this life? Because really the big question is how is this relevant to any of us in this room right now? What does this have to do with any of us? Here's what I believe it has to do with us. Some of you are going back to school. Some of you are in a job. Some of you are in a relationship. When you know you have an eternity ahead of you, it affects how you live. When you know that it's not your responsibility to pull the weeds around you, but to be wheat, it affects all of that. It affects what you do in school. It affects how... the. The things you do. It affects the things you do at work. It affects your view of work. It affects those, those things that have stressed you out, the things that you hate about those places. It diffuses them because you realize this is such a very small thing in my existence. And so when Jesus got up and he shared that my heaven, that my kingdom is like this field of wheat and you get to be wheat and it's going to grow. But guess what? There's also going to be um, a lot of weeds around you. But don't worry about the weeds. Focus on being the wheat because one day you're going to come and be with me. He's saying to you and me, focus on being wheat. Every day, I want to be what you want me to be. I want to grow. And as a church, here's my challenge. Let's focus on being wheat and leave the weeds to God. Let's focus on being wheat and leave the weeds to God. He who has ears, let him hear. What is he saying? What is he telling you? 
What will you do with what he's telling you? Let's pray. Father, it is really tough to understand some of these things. It's a lot easier just to think it's always going to be the way it is right now. But what you said that Matthew heard that he wrote for us to read was that there's a harvest coming, that this life will come to an end. And Lord, we know that you've told us if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that God raised you from the dead, that we will be brought into your home eternally, that we're all welcome, that it's not our works, but your sacrifice. (sighs) Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to seek you as you seek us. Give us grace and give us mercy. Lord, we thank you for these words. We thank you for reaching out to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So part of being wheat is that we get to be wheat together. And we get to see some of the fruit of that wheat. We've seen kids camp. Uh, We've seen the, the family missions trip. We've seen the middle school and high school mission trip. These are all part of that wheat. That's part of the, the thing that's valuable to the world, this growth, this fruit that God is producing us in that. And every one of us in this room can be connected. We can partner together. And so we pray together. We go on trips together. We study God's word together. We sing together. And we give of ourselves, our time, our energy, and our finances together. And we do it in a generous spirit, knowing that it's the generosity that leads to God's generosity. The people that have never known value get to hear about being valuable. And so we set aside time so that we can do this. We want to be able to do this. We want to continue to do this. We want to partner together and partner with God and be generous back into the world as generous as we possibly can. And and I don't want to steal that from any of you. So, We're going to take this time and say, God, how generous do you want me to be today?